Hey Jess, how does the guitar part go? It kind of sounds like doom doom Oh, like this? Take my pod, take my cast. Take me where the shows don't last. I don't care, I still see episodes I pay to stream. No more din, no more moth, no more take that helmet off. Now that Mando's off Disney, you can watch Firefly with me. Hello, and welcome, my beautiful brown coat friends, to the Sudden But Inevitable Rewatch, Episode 4. This week, we are discussing Shindig, and I am so, so excited. I am going to be your captain, as always, just like every other week. My name is Jesse. Thank you for joining us. And with me, as always, is a man who has a secret, Mon One. Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How? Uh, uh, it's good to be here. Excited to talk about Shindig. Me too. How's your sword play? Uh, my sword play is up to par. I feel confident Excellent. in my sword play. Well, then you're ahead of the game and you're ahead of me in that aspect. Uh, of course, we do also have... <clears throat> with us a man who needs money for a slinky dress and the woman who thinks it's cute when he almost crashes josh and kylie josh how was kylie's week you know i think kylie's week was uh pretty good pretty good this week i, I would say how was your week was pretty good right <laughs> yeah yeah it was, yeah it's good yeah excellent excellent kylie how was josh's week josh had a great week um oh good yeah, you know, it was kind of pretty normal for him. So, uh, no news is good news sometimes. So, greatness is normal for Josh. I suppose I'll <laughs> let that slide. <laughs> True. <laughs> I am flattered. Thank, thank you. you, guys. I no, I'm. I thank you for joining me. It just, it really, it means a lot to me. And thank you to you with earbuds in or headphones of any kind, watching on Facebook, listening, however it is that you are here. Hello, and we love you. Thank you. Normally, that would be the end of our introductions, but this is not a normal episode. This episode is very special to us, and we are so pleased to introduce our first ever Sudden But Inevitable guest, David Black. David, how you doing? Uh, really good, thank you, yeah. Keeping calm, carrying on. That seems to be the most at the moment. I actually first read about your work, David, after I saw a post about it on Reddit. I was skimming the Firefly subreddit, and uh, later we connected via Twitter. And uh, David is actually a writer on a mission. And David, I'm going to let you explain what that mission is. When when I was a kid in the 90s, there were um, there were also books called you know episode guides for TV shows. And they seem to have disappeared of late, which I think is a real shame. So shows like Firefly just didn't get them. Uh, and so there are obviously there are internet sites that have tried to sort of piece together information about the, the verse. And I just thought, well, I wanted to start a, a site. And so I started the Patreon, which is called Spatial Anomaly. 
and uh, and I wanted within that not to de de devote it to one thing per se, but to have um, a project that one that might follow another and another. So I started near enough with um, with Firefly, and uh, Big Damn Heroics is the name of the project, and it's basically an article each week about um, a different episode of Firefly. Uh, so I'm a couple of episodes ahead of you guys, which has been really interesting because I've been watching them, then writing about them, and then listening to you guys and seeing whether we agree and thinking of things that I, I thought I kind of missed that. And so, um, so that's been good. Uh, and the articles uh, are exclusive to, pay, to patrons for the first week, and then at the end of that week, they they kind of go public. So if you're curious about uh, what I might have written. Uh, then um, you can go and see that see those for free uh, up to at this point, uh, our Mrs. Reynolds, um, and then uh, alongside that, I do write another article that is exclusive to patrons. So that's stuff about the show as a whole. So rather than focusing on one particular episode. Yeah. So I can actually personally vouch for the quality here. Um, we signed up this morning. Um, we were. It was one of those things where we're like, okay we need to help this guest get his work out there but we don't want to just be like hey give us your work so we can put it out there so <laughs> you know since since you're helping support us we wanted to help support you so we went ahead and subscribed at the second tier so we are patrons with voting power and that means we get to help decide what the next thing that you cover is so, absolutely yeah and it's you're, you're in the same position aren't you Yes, it's well, right now we are receiving a ton of love and support, but we we don't really feel quite yet that we've figured out what we want to do with our bonus episodes and, you know, things like that going forward. But it's just I mean, you can attest to it, too. I'm sure the, the love and support you get from brown coats is is just this whole other flavor of cool. So if you guys if you need a deeper dive into the Firefly verse than what we had to do here in like 90 minutes then definitely go over to patreon.com slash spatial anomaly and support big damn heroics i'm talking episode breakdowns character profiles deleted scene analysis canonical chronology just to name a few of the types of things that i have been browsing since we signed up it's it's definitely going to be worth your time so i just want to say thank you one last time david before we move forward i'm I'm known on this show for kind of not being able to contain my excitement, so I'm gonna do my best. But can I just say something promises. really quick? I, I ahead, really Josh. feel like this is very relevant to tonight, and I've been wanting to say this this whole show. But we're about to have us a mighty fine shindig. I feel. Oh, <laughs> yes, we are. This this episode all week. Okay, people. These are people that you'll hear about later, but people on Twitter and Instagram and everything have just been, oh my gosh, you guys, it's Shindig week. I can't wait until you talk about Shindig. I can't wait until we talk about Shindig. So I just, I would love to start right now, but that would be irresponsible. <laughs> and we are not irresponsible. We need to fix some Goram mistakes because we try to be perfect, but we're not. So what I do is I go back to the previous week's podcast and I listen for any blaring mistakes that are made. And more realistically, people that follow us on social media send me in the mistakes that we made. Now, I don't want anyone to think that they're sending me like, how could you screw this up? Why did you make such a mistake? It just doesn't happen. They're just like, hey, there's a, oh, I think there's a spider happening at Josh and Kylie's there's house. There's definitely a spider. 
anybody yeah. watching this live, anybody that has access to video, that was amazing. That was fantastic. It was a it was a bacon. <laughs> this is this is our version of a Patreon exclusive. If you watch yes. live, no, no, exactly you get to see right. Josh and Kylie get attacked by a spider. Okay, it I came can... down right in front of the camera. No, did, no, you see, did you guys see it? <laughs> I saw it. I got to see was, it. You can't script that. So, that anyways, okay, I was I just pointing out. <laughs> Nobody who sends us corrections is mean about it. Everybody's very sweet and supportive, and I really appreciate it. So please continue to do so. It means a lot to me because we don't want to get this wrong. We love this show the way that you, well, maybe not the same way that you love this show because that that's a high, tall order. But I just, there's a thing that we have to do, and it's corrections. So first, you may have remembered last week, um, I was mentioning Justin from the Movement Podcast and how he had kind of been truck and trash on firefly and i was pretty oh, sure he was yeah. just trying to get a rise out of me you know um but i went back and listened to the movement podcast and it turns out that justin actively dislikes firefly so he does he's not I'm, a fan for whatever yeah, reason. yeah so what know. i'm gonna say about that is you four are welcome on my boat justin's not <laughs> next hey man i retaliated i i got some next. i got some good you know uh it's it's whatever good. muting if you wanna, in there. If, so, if you want to hear Justin get retaliation muted, go check out the Movement podcast. It's pretty good. Um, quick clarification regarding the Halo games and the Firefly cast. <laughs> so, from the Halo Alpha, which I assume is you know their version of Memory Alpha, uh, Nathan Fillion, Adam Baldwin, and Alan Tudyk provided voice acting for Halo Three, and more predominantly Halo Three ODST. So, Ricky, I believe you were correct on that. They were actually in two Halo games. In Halo 3, Fillion plays a character named Gunnery Sergeant Reynolds. And in ODST, Tudyk plays a character named Mickey, who is a pilot. So, and uh, Baldwin plays a Marine named Dutch, whose dialogue make references to Jane. And, of course, in Halo 5, there is a chapter of the story called Sudden But Inevitable Betrayal. So oh, I, my I couldn't, God. <laughs> I couldn't not bring that up, right? So, yeah. I, I just couldn't do it. Um, a couple did of the other that, tidbits uh, and clarification. Go ahead. Sorry, did you know that Adam Baldwin is a distant relative to the four Baldwin brothers? I that mean, you their don't heritage have the last name goes back Baldwin. to like sixteen hundred <laughs> something. It's crazy. We looked it up. I, I had to though, because I, I really just now today noticed that it was Adam Baldwin, and I was like, ah, oh, huh, interesting. I wonder if that's a. Please send me the, the information <laughs> on that because I'd like to verify it and then put it on the Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for sure. Genealogy <laughs> segment next week. I can do that. <laughs> so we have we have one or two more small tidbits, but they're kind of specific, like to this episode that we're about to talk about. So that's actually it for the corrections this week. Um, if there's, if you guys don't have anything else that you need to get out, and trust me, if there is, it's okay. Now is the time. Or we're gonna get going on Shindig here. I don't think. Uh, yeah, I got nothing. I'm, I'm ready for this. All right. So, the synopsis for Shindig, which I am having a little bit of trouble finding. <laughs> Josh and Kylie, talk about your week. Hey, you know, I just want to tell everyone that that spider was huge, and that's the second spider that I've had to deal with tonight. And 
I'm kind of worried that there's going to be more coming around <laughs> soon. It's almost it's almost <laughs> springtime. It's getting warm here. I know it's it's bad. I'm not I'm not a fan. But that was so brave. We're good to but go. My hero, my hero. <laughs> I can't. I can't believe that we actually got to see some big damn heroics live on stream. That means hey, a lot man. to me. So, Any, here's I the deal. Do. I cannot find the synopsis for this that's official, but I've watched this episode a lot recently. So I'm going to wing it, and I think we're going to be good. So, basically, the setup for this episode is Badger, which is Mal's fence, he, he needs to get somebody into this very highfalutin party that he is not invited to, but does have access to the invites for. And he doesn't obviously know any high-class, high-society people. So he calls Mal and the crew, and that's close enough for him. So he gives them the invites. They make their way to the party, which it turns out Inara is actually already going to, kind of on the arm of somebody else. And that's, you know... Very, very fun, and we'll get into that. Anyways, Mal ends up needing a date. He brings Kylie. Uh, <laughs> this is going to happen. <laughs> Kylie, Kaylee, and we have a very cool Story follower named Callie, so it's it's going to happen. <laughs> he brings Kaylee with him as his date to the shindig as a way to get in. Happiness ensues. Basically, he accidentally, inadvertently challenges Atherton Wing to a duel and then finds out that he has to fight with a sword. Inara attempts to sort of give him a crash course, and, you know, it sort of goes how you would expect, but Mal's just unending luck remains uh, 100% in effect here, and he ends up winning the day. Inara denounces the guy who tries to shame her, and then she explains, nope, you can't be with companions anymore, and the guy that Badger was originally trying to get the business of is so impressed by Mal mussing up Atherton's face and ruining his honor that he says, you know what? You got the job. And he sends his cows to Mal's ship. So, shindig. That is the best on-the-fly episode synopsis I could come up with. Apologies. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that was a really good synopsis, honestly. Um, it's very fresh in my head. Kylie and I just watched this episode. We just finished uh, about 45 minutes ago, something like that. So Perfect. It's very Excellent. fresh, and that was uh, a very good synopsis, I, I feel like. Uh, obviously, we'll get into other things, like the dress. And the <laughs> fact that yeah. I challenge you to a duel in this is not a slap <laughs> by a glove. It's like a punch in the face, <laughs> make you feel like a little, you know, I don't well, know, don't a little man. <laughs> <laughs> don't you think that it could be... Any striking of the face of any kind equals duel. Whether it be by glove or... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the duel rules are not super clear, and I think that's part of the point. Um, well, I anyways. think that was... I don't know, that was just the most surprising thing, because he punched him in the face as in to defend Inara's honor, and everyone was like, Oh, ho, ho, duel right. time! Yeah. I th it has to be... It has to be a face thing, right? I guess. Like... <laughs> It has to be. Um, I imagine right. a spit in the face would elicit the same response. <laughs> I, I would think it's possible. Um, if I we guess can just, attempt I, to I, start, we just finished Cobra start. Kai too. So, like, getting oh. punched in the face in that show is like a real it's challenge nice. to everyone getting in a huge fight. So, I just assumed right then and there that everyone was going to break gonna into a, a bunch of karate right. fights. <laughs> Well, and that's an interesting point, though, because this episode is kind of the first one where we see 
some cultural background for the Firefly universe, right? Like, mm. it's not just Mal and the crew in space doing a crime. It's here's how the rest of society works. Um, if if I can attempt to start us chronologically at the start of the episode, not that we have to, but I have to point this out. And Josh, we're going to get back to your point, but I have I'm to sorry. point this I, out. I, I, I just was so excited you're to good. talk about that. <laughs> when, when Fillion says... These aren't feathers I'm toting here. <laughs> Is that the most Canadian that he's been on Firefly yet? Like, <laughs> was the most Canadian toting? I'm toting these feathers here. I just I loved that. It was. Is Philian Canadian? I think he's Canadian. Yeah. Oh, like, all right. Yeah. All right. You all don't right. sound that way and not be Canadian. But <laughs> well, um, I, mean, I, I really he's got like the Western vibe down pretty well. So yes. he hides right. the, the Canada. And right. again, and I, to get... I, my my views are all skewed. I watch a lot of South Park. So, you know, buddy, guy, <laughs> that, that's all the Canadians for me. <laughs> right. Well, OK. And I'm sorry, Josh, to get back to your point, like you get you do see this immediate culture clash. Right. Because they go to visit Badger and he's definitely underground. He's he's, you know kind of a crime guy he's not well respected outside of that circle um david when i read back through some of your stuff i think you'd had a lot of culture notes on the shindig episode as well did you want to jump into some of those yeah it's interesting isn't it it's the first time you really get a sense of, of the hierarchy because up to this point it's just been uh people in mal's position and the alliance and there's no kind of nuance to that really they you get the impression that there are you know that the Tams are rich and you know that other people aren't. And that's that's kind of it at this point. And then Shindig comes along and shows you a whole new strata of uh, of rich and wealthy individuals. And uh, what's I think what's really interesting about Shindig is um, the notion of slavery is sort of played with as this thing that's at the, at the edge of their society. And it's so socially acceptable. It's had the same root as sort of the companion journey. You know, we've gone from, mm -hmm. from the idea of a prostitute to a companion being this regal thing. And slavery right. has no kind of, um, there's, there's no tarnish to that. There's nothing bad about that. There's, it's just an accepted part of their world. Uh, and the idea that clearly their wealth and floaty chandeliers are based on having an underclass. And whether right. that's badger or whether that's slavery... It's it's a very interesting insight. Um, well, and I you, think it's a strange. You don't get that well. same. It's, Go ahead. Sorry. No, it's it's just it's another um, strange thing in this coming together of apparently America and China. Um, we don't see many Asian actors, um, and it feels like this would have been a really good place to put some. It feels like that right. party could have been stocked full of rich. Asian businessmen and women, yeah. and, and that doesn't happen. So there's a question to be asked there um, of Firefly up to this point, you know. Yeah, I agree 100%. And to your point of, you know, slavery and the parallels that it would have with, you know, prostitution in this this world and these cultures, prostitution, they've, they've dressed up and created a societal spot for it right there the companions like you said they even soften the language around it you know it's the registry their their clientele that kind of thing but that doesn't really exist with the way they talk about slavery to your point it's just no that's that's still slaves like we just call it that because that's still what it is and we're not going to try to dress it up we just have no compunctions about it now and we're not going to pretend that we do 
the scene in the teaser um, that sort of sets that up as well, you know, where Mal's clearly appalled by slavery, uh, Inara's clearly appalled by slavery, but um, when Mal turns up with the, the guy's cash, she, she sticks it in her top. She's, uh, she's appalled, but to a point. Uh, Jane's not appalled <laughs> at all. Jane has no worries whatsoever. He wants to know how much money you can make and how soon you can make it. And that's, right. you know, shows it's you those consistent with his character. Well. Yeah, absolutely. It's consistent with the Jane character. Um, we have kind of this running thing going. Um, I've actually been talking to some of our followers on social media about it as well, um, where Jane, we, we were pretty sure that he was dumb. Um <clears throat> But there keeps being all this evidence to the contrary. Like, he may actually not be dumb at all. He may just not speak eloquently. And we've been either led to read him as stupid, or I am reading that through my own judgmental lens and reading him as stupid. Um, well, I do want to say that Kylie the... and I said, is Jane dumb at least four or five times in this episode? <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he'd right say away. something dumb. He's like, oh. <laughs> Yeah. Well, right like, away. It really when took he's... the it took the intellect out of what we thought he had in episode three, <laughs> and in episode four, you're like, no, I'm I'm pretty sure he's pretty dumb. Like, <laughs> but the very first scene in this episode, he's they're meeting with Badger, and he's searching. Uh, Badger's searching for a word to describe Mal, and Jane goes pretentious. Yeah. Oh, and yeah, he goes, yeah. yeah, that's the word, and it's like, Mal. <laughs> Jane seemed like he wasn't even paying attention to that conversation. But <laughs> he was eating those it, crumpets and I don't know. Right. I think that's kind of back to your point, Jesse, <sighs> about how he might have heard that somebody call Mal that before. Yeah, I've got thoughts on that. Yeah. Uh, Go for it, Ricky. Yeah. You've been saying for a while now that Jane isn't necessarily the cool guy, he's not the leader, but he's been following Mal around, who is the cool guy, he's the leader, he's the one in charge. And Jane just kind of copies him. He mm. just, he does what he thinks that guy in charge would do. And when I saw Jane sitting there not paying attention, but he throws out the word pretentious, I was like, I don't think he even knows what the word pretentious means. <laughs> yeah. he but he's seen Mal use no. that word in this situ but it in was... a similar situation. But he placed it perfectly he used it in exactly the right way at exactly the right time it wasn't like he, he was like maybe this long word i've heard is the correct one it was like he knew that that was sure, the word to sure. use <laughs> he offered it up willingly and excitedly almost like it's like he was been, if it was he's something, been waiting to use that word for yeah. a long time <laughs> well right but if it was something that he'd heard mal say then would he like we we established the rule there is that you don't say it in front of the person you're copying right so he wouldn't have said sure. that in front of mal okay. so i think it still reads into his character as far as like i'm still i have my own motivations i'm gonna not be like super cagey about them but i'm also not going to be talking about them all the time you know i will ask people in the business how their business is um and i'll leave that question open-ended right um but i think i think Here's what I'm reading from Jane, okay? Maybe eventually we were supposed to learn that Jane used to speak much more eloquently and used to be more sophisticated. And at some point he got fed up with all the frills and all the fakeness of whatever he was doing and went, you know what, I'm going to go be a hired gun because that's what we know of his history is that he's a hired gun. 
and that that's how he behaves, and that's always how he'll behave. Maybe he just so had a I lot think, of concussions. And well, it's possible. But what I think <laughs> happened is he he's used to, you know, try to talk his way out of stuff, and he used to try and be diplomatic. And then at some point he went, this isn't practical. These people are going to shoot me no matter how well I speak and no matter how good of a negotiator I think I am. They're going to pay me the same amount of money because this job is only worth, you know, however many space dollars to them. So I'm just going to start talking quickly and short with little syllables and a gun and that'll get <laughs> the job done. I, it, do I mean, because there's, there, I mean, for him to just go pretentious at exactly the right moment. Come on. Like he's not, he would not have gone. He, the, he wouldn't have understood the context clues. Like, it, it would not have happened, I don't think. So for right now, I'm going with Jane, not stupid. Jane speaks <laughs> ineloquently out of a sense of practicality. Jane, not dumb. Think? Jane, smart. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I could see that, I guess. I, I think... I think there's definitely a lot more to Jane's story, and there's a lot more to his motives than... Just being a first-time viewer, you know, I, I'm I'm always looking for the background stuff. I'm always trying to solve the main storyline and figure out what the twist is because that's what I like to do. And for me, Jane is the twist. Like, if there was ever going to be one in Firefly, he would be, you know, the the twist of it. Where right? So so yes, I I do joke. Is Jane dumb a lot? We, we <laughs> joke a lot about that, but. In all honesty, I think that if there's going to be a twist, he's going to be a part of it. And that's <laughs> the the big thing with this show. So I'm probably right. And <laughs> Callie D says, faces, <laughs> Callie D says, Jane is a power hungry maniac. She is not incorrect on that. Thank you, Kelly. Um, yeah. So yeah, for sure. Is it just I to set up the next piece? I just have a, a question. Did you guys feel like Inara? there's some part of her that really enjoys being a companion for like actual companionship. Like she's getting a lot of out of this position emotionally as well as physically and monetarily. David, do you have any thoughts on that? I think what's interesting about the companions is, is that they clearly are afforded, as you say, this, this status and they've, they've moved into the upper echelons of society. And yet uh, you get the impression with, with Inara and the way she is with, her relationship with Kaylee or with Mal uh, to a certain extent uh, is it, it shows that she's not worried about the trappings of that. She's willing to, to slum it. Um, it. She just wants to, she just wants to make some money like anybody else. Uh, that's when, when she worries about getting to the next planet and Persephone is obviously a world she can work on it better than, than some of the other places they, they visited. Um, but um, I think she, I think she enjoys the experience of it. I don't think she'd do it if she didn't love it. She's a smart yeah. woman who would walk away from being a companion if it wasn't what she thought it was going to be or what she could make it be. Um, right. And I think there's that scene, isn't there, where she's deciding who her client's going to be when she gets there. And mm. uh, I love that scene. she <laughs> immediately discounts three or four guys and then... Yep. There's that scene where with the, the guy who reuses the word honor twice in the My same honor. sentence. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then it's Ath. And uh, he seems like charm personified on that video, doesn't he? On the initial kind of hello. Until we meet him, he's the nicest guy. And you, you wish her the best of dates, you know. 
<laughs> so um yeah have good sex as kaylee says you, when she goes out the door you know it's it's one of those things you just think we're, we're all behind her at that point we all think it's brilliant <laughs> i think as a, as a yeah. viewer and then yeah. obviously you meet That's... the guy i think it was i think it was a i think it was at this point when when he was holding her by the arm that made me not like him at all. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, just that, just him holding it's her on the, the arm. Because, because someone that like, if someone holds me on the arm like that, I take it as an aggressive maneuver, and I <laughs> do not like it. If someone Great. is doing that to me, they better be my wife or my yeah, mother. Well, yeah, and and it's <laughs> probably and it's probably at a time like at a family dinner where they're like, you need to calm down. Yeah. <laughs> But it's, it's funny because this episode, you know, you give it a name like Shindig and it sounds like it's about a fun right. party, but it's yeah. all about property, isn't it? You know, yeah. we talk about yeah. sla slavery, but Atherton Wing clearly yeah. sees Inara as his property. Mal's trying to get hold of somebody else's property to move it property. off world. It's about owning something and what you choose to do with it and how you choose to do that deal. Well, I like how you described the, the different levels a little bit of, of these people here where you have... You have the slaves, and then you have like the slave traders, and then you have the people like Badger that are kind of smugglers. But some of those people like Badger are on the outs with the richer people that they're working for. So they need to go hire actual smugglers to come in like Mal and the Serenity crew. And like just that whole it was very Star Warsy to me. Of course it was. Yeah, I mean, I can on. see that. That's, that's, that's Ricky, I, do you, you know. <laughs> Ricky, did you have any uh, immediate reaction thoughts uh, getting reintroduced to Atherton for probably the 15th time? <laughs> uh, no, I. he definitely seems attractive on video, but you definitely, you see him grab her shoulder. You see the way he talks to her in the very first time that they, not the first time they meet, but the first time they meet for us on camera. And... Mm. It, you just kind of get a kind of weird feeling and you go, does Inara really like this guy? Is she actually attracted to him? What are her feelings towards Atherton? Because he's proposing this potential marriage and she appears to be entertaining it. So what are her thoughts? Because as far as I can tell, she is, this is a bad idea. Yeah. Well, and, to uh, to David's point about the property and the ownership, you kind of get the parallel there with um, Mal and Inara, right? Like Mal has no ownership over Inara, but he has this kind of sense of I should protect her and maybe defend her honor. And, you know, maybe someday I'd like to have a sense of mutual ownership with her, you know, in the form of like a real relationship, you know, because they, they still haven't really established like, is there a possibility there um and they that ownership theme that's that's a great point to point out david because i think you're right it goes all the way through the episode just on everything and badger um speaking of ownership badger seems to be one of the few characters in this universe that fully owns his own circumstances right he's like i'm gonna go to somebody who's one step above me on the socioeconomic criminal criminal ladder and ask them to do me a slightly fancier favor than I would be capable of achieving on my own. It's, yeah. And Ricky, I think to your point, I think the that the audience in this this episode is along with Anara. We're like, okay, what's 
you know, what's going on. I want us, I want her to be happy. I need her to be entirely in control of this situation. And I need her to come out the other side of it with a smile. Otherwise I'm going to feel weird and potentially grossed out. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, but she, uh, to your point, David, about there being kind of a culture lack in the shindig. I really appreciated that. Um, Marina Bakarin seemed to put a little more oomph into her pronunciation of the Mandarin swears than Atherton did. Atherton sounded very white when he was saying, he was like, Gosa, Gosa, Gosa. It was just like, man, you couldn't chew that any harder if you wanted to. And But mm-hmm. when she said it, there was like a subtleness to it. And you could see that she was using different muscles in her face than she would to speak English. It was just like... And of course she would, right? Because her character would be that much classier than the people around her. And it just, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. So Kylie, I have (laughs) Kylie. I got it right this time. Kylie, Kylie, I have a question for you, Kylie. (laughs) Yes. Now that you have seen Nathan Fillion cleaned up. eh? Eh? (laughs) Um... I, I can leave the room. Gosh, you know, I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not saying that he's not bad looking. I think that he is a handsome gentleman. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. But just doesn't mm-hmm. really. He's one of the top three most me. attractive people in the show. <laughs> <laughs> and top top ten in Canada, I think. So yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know, man. I think Alan Three Dick is a little bit uh, cuter than. Okay, that counts. Okay. That counts, Ricky. <laughs> I know that's not your fault, but it counts. Mm-mm. I know that's not your fault, but it counts. Okay, so when Kaylee is first seen in her beautiful dress, to. okay, it's it's yes. we've this wonderful moment of Kaylee in her beautiful dress. Um, I gotta stop right here and give a really cool tidbit that I cannot wait to share with you guys. But first, a word from our sponsor. No, I'm just kidding. We don't have any sponsors. Um, so. Saxon1014 on Instagram, uh, who has been following us and just overflowing my heart with gratitude and love, um, sent this following tidbit. Uh, She said, so I really like you guys' theme song and how you mentioned The Mandalorian. I assume that's because you know that Shauna Terpsik did costumes for both series. Boom. Photon torpedo to the exhaust port of your mind. Like, also, listen, I know that. dress. I did not know that. Inara's so, dress. Inara's dress has- is Terpsic's actual wedding dress, and the peacock quill in Badger's hat is also from her personal collection. Mm, I had no okay. idea. Okay. I just thought it was really cool that we had been, we did a show about the Mandalorian called Quest Me that you can download wherever fine podcasts are found. And we kept mentioning we love the costuming. We love the feel of the show. It feels tangible like the like Firefly. It's part of what inspired us to do Firefly for our next podcast. So I, when she told me that, I sent her the little, you know, exploding head emoji. And I was like, I don't know. I didn't know that. And I don't know how I missed it. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Saxon1014 on Instagram. That is an excellent poll, and I am, I'm sorry that we missed that up to this point. Well, if I could step uh, Ricky, in. Ricky, did you have a point to make? The... I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The commentary for this episode was with writer Jane Espenson, Morena Baccarin, and oh. costume designer Shauna Terpsik. Ah. 
Oh, that's so cool. Did they? Did you come? Did they come up with anything uh, in the commentary? Like w- when they first walk into the room, right? And they have you first see the whole shindig, and they've got the chandelier and everything. Was there anything from the commentary that stuck out to you about that that ballroom? Uh, one of the things was because they always were in such dark environments. Uh, it was standard definition. Everything was always really dark. Not that scene in particular, but most scenes are really Uh-oh. dark. So they would over-design the costumes. So now that we're watching in high def, and mm. they didn't talk about this in the uh, commentary. I'm just kind of extrapolating. But we're now watching in high def. We're getting better lighting in high def. So we're getting a better look at these over-designed costumes. And they look great. Like, there's nothing on them yeah, that I do. would call extraneous, personally. I mean, if there's things on them that are extraneous, it's because the societal setting demands that, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So, so this Kaylee gets gave her, me mad her beautiful flashbacks. dress. Sorry. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say, this, this episode gave me mad flashbacks of Final Fantasy XV. <laughs> Um, for uh, whatever reason, I don't know why, just the old timey clothes and the way the music was, just the kind of tone of it, it was mm-hmm. very like, just, just took, just took me back. I Not was like, to mention Cloud having to wear beautiful dresses. Yes, so. that too. That was Final <laughs> Fantasy VII, but oh. fifteen is the one okay. that, that I, that I like played a lot more. But for we, whatever seven reason, was the know. most recent, so yes, for, forgive yes. my um, Sorry. discrepancy. Yes. <laughs> no, it was very good. You're good. Okay. Um, but, speaking of that Walk- giant ballroom, have we gotten mm-hmm. to the point where Kaylee is meeting with those uh, really mean women? Mm. Yeah. So oh I was God. gonna, I was gonna introduce that scene next. Um, okay. I Kaylee's face is sorry. Jewel State's face is so emotive. Like she, she really conveys this slip from uh, confident to that that she could be a, a sophisticated person to embarrassed to to having made the effort in the first place, right? Like mm-hmm. she's yeah. she was like, I I could totally pull this off now that I have the dress, I look the part, I can do this, and then she gets you know confronted by Banning, and the air just falls out of her. And it did it you get all four of their names? I. I didn't write them all down. Do you have them all? Yeah, it's Banning, Destra, Cabot, and Zoe. I like Destra. That's Cabot, yeah. like the that cheese. is cool. <laughs> like They're like future the waspy names. I really like them though. Destra is probably a Destra reference, GI Joe. Anyways, um, just <laughs> that scene. It puts our hearts right in step with. Kaylee's right when when Murphy which is a name I wrote down steps over to illustrate it's it's not that you're bad at this and can't do it it's just that you've been caught off guard and everybody has felt that way before you're not beneath anybody and it's and we just we love him immediately for rescuing her right because we've all felt that we've had that situation where we're like I've got all the tools here and then you fall flat on your face and you get belittled for your attempt and I I just this scene is so human and so um, true, and I think this is, up to this point, I think this is the most heart that a scene has had in Firefly for me, outside of maybe the Serenity Valley sequence. Uh, I think this scene really showed, like, 
the it's like a you know not not necessarily stay in your own lane but like your people are your people you know it was it was like she she wore the dress and she went in and then she got confronted by those bougie bitches and excuse my language sorry but then she <laughs> immediately got rescued by the guy and then next thing you know she's made a ton of friends because they're talking about you know different ships and mechanics right. and the way that they look and it was like she didn't belong in the world of dresses and women and being fancy she belongs in that world of like getting down and dirty and i think well i just dis- i disagree going though through that kind of kind of got her I- to to me, I it, disagree. It's kind of, you know, I think I think that the point you're making, the illustration is there, right? Like they're showing the difference between those cultures and those things, but I think they're also going to pains to show us, not all of these people are her people, but some of them are, and there there are people that you can be at every level, right? Like because everybody is just people, it's an illustration of equality in that. Hey, even if you're, you know, a criminal and nobody knows it, but you love engines, these high society snobs, some of those guys are going to love engines too. Like, well, I guess my my point is that she was at her happiest at that party when she was talking about engines with other people. Not when she was trying to fit in. She was more having a good time when she was talking about, oh, you know, the difference between this, nothing. And like makes everybody laugh. I think she stuff. was having a good time talking about engines while wearing a pink fluffy dress. I, I think oh, that's what she wanted. From a girl's perspective, it was about the dress. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I hope she Thank works you, on Serenity in that dress at some point where she comes out yelling at Captain with a wrench in that dress like you don't even know what I've been doing. Well, I just I thought it was sweet because she, you know, she has her hobbies and stuff like that and people look at her in a certain way because of that. But she is just like any other girl. Like I I I think most girls can say that, you know, they put before they wore it and after they wore it, you put your tra- your prom dress up on the wall so you can look at it. Like it's a pretty mm-hmm. thing, and you get to look at it. And she did the same thing, and she's just like the rest of the girls. <laughs> yeah. yeah, even the tomboy girls really... too, because those girls still like to do the proms and stuff. Like, oh, right. dude, yeah. yeah. <laughs> as far and as that's know, a really I guess, good, I don't really, <laughs> really good point, Kylie. And it actually leads me to think of, um, we're kind of seeing. <clears throat> The perception versus reality, excuse me, <clears throat> we're kind of seeing perception versus reality both for Kaylee and Inara primarily in this episode, right? Like they both have a perception of, you know, what could life be? You know, what if is there is there this other option for me where Inara's like, maybe I could just live on Persephone. Why why should I keep doing this? And Kaylee's having this like, maybe I could be a fancy ball and dress type gal you know maybe that's the thing that I could pull off you know so there's like this this sort of aspirational quality you know where they're both thinking maybe maybe the next tier is the tier that I want to get to go ahead David I think the difference between the two of them is Kaylee very much lives in the moment I think I think she walks into that party and there's there's an optimism on her face and she she's there to have fun she wants to experience it she wants to be she's dressed like a princess and she wants to enjoy it and then obviously as as we've said the those bitchy deputants kind of take that away from her uh and then or think they have taken that away from her and then uh she has just as much fun talking to those guys 
uh, about engines. And Inara is in the same environment, always thinking about how is my client feeling? How am I servicing their needs? What's the expectation of the society? Whereas Katie's just there to have fun, isn't she? And I think she's oh, not thinking about, I don't, I don't think Katie's thinking, I don't want to be a, a mechanic. I don't want to be on Serenity at this point. But she is thinking, can I get this dress under the engine? Can, can, I, can, I, can, I, can I climb out from under the engine wearing this? <laughs> okay, oh, I, I think it'd be perfect guys, if she did. I think you're right. It's 100% about the dress. That's just how it is. It's got to be, right? I mean, well, yeah, and uh, like at the beginning, you could tell how upset she was when um, I was going to just call him Nathan. When, <laughs> when okay. Mal was like, um, you know, he basically said, oh, you could like, you know, some sort of off comment about how, you know, she's just not a girly girl or whatever. And she was so hurt about mm, it. Yeah. And I right. was like, you know what? She's going to wear a dress this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it speaks to that that other relatable part you know, that they're communicating to, which is everybody has that self uh, that they are, that they know they are. And then there's the version of themselves that everybody, you know, sees and, you know, talks to and interacts with where they're like, you know, oh yeah, he's uh, a nice guy and he's really into Firefly. And it's like, yeah, but I'm also really into several other things, you know, like if they if they if they boil me down to how much I love this show, then I feel insulted, you know. So for for him to tell Kaylee, you're a mechanic, not a girly girl, is insulting because she's like, I'm actually both of those things, and I'm right. good at both of those things, and I, there's no reason totally. they have to be separate. Yeah, I I I think that's an excellent point by both David and Kylie, not Kaylee or supporter Callie. So. <laughs> I want to bring up one thing, too, before they go into the ball. First of all, the chandelier is epic. Yeah, I love cool. the chandelier. Um, <laughs> and second of all, the security system. Yeah. Yes, please. Can we have that everywhere? Because I loved that. The guy couldn't even walk yeah. through the barrier. That was cool. Without getting stopped. And it, it was. And I always, I always like to reference things, but it was very Resident Evil-esque, just less murdery. Well, and the doorknob right. thing was cool, too. Yeah. 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 The doorknob was like the key. And we didn't even <laughs> Okay, listen, we didn't even talk about the pool table at the very beginning of the episode mm -hmm. and the bar fight <laughs> that ensued <laughs> like and I loved the sign that says uh establishment is not responsible for balls not working or Well, for what was it like ball something? Ball was malfunction. Like, ball malfunction. Yeah. Ball, That's yeah, okay. what it is. Yep. And I was like, "Oh, ball malfunction. God, I hate when that happens." <laughs> I hate when that happens. <laughs> But yeah, and that played. that whole first scene was really cool. It was, it was also very... reminiscent of when uh, Mal got thrown through that plate glass window that kind of yeah. <laughs> came yeah. right back. Yep, and it was very, uh, very western. You know, it, it was like they were really trying to drive that old westerny show home in that scene. Do they have pool in old yeah. westerns? Yeah. Oh, and cards really? and darts and yeah, oh. like well, maybe it, he was. It's a it's a Western trope that they would be in a saloon, right? And saloon, saloon activities yeah. are, you know. Yeah. And I love that the little laser pew pews that they added to just a pool <laughs> cue hitting a ball, just pew, yeah. like that. That's a very <laughs> small detail, fun. totally unnecessary, but I'm in love with it. Yeah, like like you said, it makes it more fun. I'm here for it. Yeah. Um, what does is, what is, uh, Inara say to to Mal about? 
about Jane. She's like, I'll just put a big stick in his hand. He'll take care of things, right? <laughs> it's <laughs> it's much like, like other things. Give Jane a big stick and step back or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I love that line. That was cool. Um, but so, any, sorry, she, I didn't, I when they're didn't walking into that but... party. No, no, no. You're good. When they're walking into that party, I actually did have a note there. So I'm glad you went back. Um, <laughs> it's it's definitely ADR on Mal when he says, oh, luckily, this is a dance that I know. And it's, you know, Inara's dragging him to dance. And he, he his head turns away from the camera and you don't see his face, but you hear his voice go, oh, luckily, this is a dance I know. So that's was I almost 100% sure that wasn't in the script and they added it like in post-production. And then the thing that I like about it though is that somebody on the production went, uh, why would Mal know how this dance goes, right? And he was told, that person who asked that was told uh, because the script says he does. <laughs> and so he was like, okay, so instead of trying to explain that, let's just, let's have him say this one little thing that, sort of acknowledges that it doesn't make sense for him to be good at it, but that he just is luckily is good Aware at this dance. Yeah. yeah, so it's like, is it satisfying enough? Yes. Does that make it a perfect fix? Also, yes. I just... <laughs> I, really well, I like how like random he is. I like how random Mal is, where he just knows... Yeah, the most random crap. You know, I. I mean, it's it's. A I feel like you and I have. are similar in that in that aspect where like we have just little minuscule talents that not you know that people wouldn't think are there. Well, you know? maybe maybe Inara taught him. She taught him swordplay. Yep, yep. <laughs> that She's is good definitely at classy possible. things. It feels much more believable that Mal would know the dance than uh, Jane. Would. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> the idea of Jane suddenly going, "Oh, I know this one." <laughs> Wait, what? But that would that would totally defeat the "Is Jane dumb?" hashtag because right then and there, it would just prove that he's not dumb. He's classy. It, no, look, look, it would still fit. Okay, here it it in <laughs> in hypothetical season two, we see a flashback where Jane is at the last shindig thrown by Atherton. Well, no, let's say like four shindigs ago, right? Where four he's got a mustache. Back. Jane's got a mustache. He's got a top hat. He's got a monocle. He is very fancy. Okay, he's got tails. Uh, he's got a nice coat. He's got a cane. It's, and then he it's... just gets knocked in the head and gets a concussion. No, 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 and somebody no, no. else. I no, challenge no. you to a duel. He's what he's doing is he's going and he's having a conversation with somebody, and then somebody else steps into that conversation and verbally decimates him in front of somebody. <laughs> He loses all status and respect, and from that moment forward, he renounces the silver tongue speaking language of the higher society and says, I'm going to go monosyllabic from here on out. I'm going to smell bad. I'm going to wear t-shirts, and I'm going to carry a gun. I feel I like... Think, I think we were cheated I, out of that episode. I feel like he got he got challenged to a duel and got his ass kicked. And, like, <laughs> listen, what was the guy's name that just that got dueled this, this round? Atherton? Uh, Atherton. Yeah, yeah, Atherton. I feel like Atherton is going to be the next Jane because he just got humiliated so hard that he's going to denounce the upper echelon language and all that stuff and just become <laughs> a NASCAR driving only turn left kind of guy. The next time we see him, he won't have an accent anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he's just he's just going to be like shoving crumpets in his mouth, just like... Oh, oh, yeah. You, you mean pretentious? Just at random. <laughs> yep. That's... Um, Ricky, were there any notes uh, in the commentary for this episode specifically about Shepard Book? Because it feels like they're 
definitely painting some background for him. They're laying some pipe that I don't know that we ever got the benefit of, but they're definitely setting some stuff up because Book seems like he has planned a midnight extraction before. Like, did they comment on that at all? No, they didn't talk about Book at all that I can think of in the uh, commentary. Definitely nothing that I wrote down. Uh, A couple of interesting things. Zoe always has a necklace on. That's supposed to be uh, symbolic of like a marriage ring mm. to wash. So that was a, the uh, writer mentioned that. So I figured that has to be canon. Did she have it on Definitely. while they were in bed? Not during sex, no. No, they didn't? Okay. You can't I, wear that. Did you see how gross they looked after that? Oh, they Man, were they all were, sorts They of were sweet. going hard. That was pretty uh, <laughs> They were like, we got the ship to ourselves. Let's do this. It's also uh, worth mentioning during the during the sex scene that zoe fell asleep afterwards and not wash it's kind of a twist <laughs> on the typical the man falls asleep afterwards so that's kind of a well let's yeah, yeah fun zoe probably wears the pants in that relationship absolutely <laughs> have you seen the pants the good pants they're brown pants. <laughs> uh, pants. and you've been with a military woman they have the best pants <laughs> Uh, another fun note from the commentary is the sword fight at the end was shot right next to the set of the Country Bear Jamboree. So there was a giant Country Bear Jamboree log cabin just offset that was really ruining the mood of that whole sword fight with all of the fog and the smoke and oh the tense gosh. sword fight and I a gotta... big. No wonder that guy couldn't get the smile off his face the whole fight. (laughs) We got to get banjo music to put behind that section for the the audio version of this podcast. Oh man, oh my god! I I think that would throw me off too if I'm trying to have some serious sword fight to the death. Like I would definitely look over and be like, (laughs) "That's awesome." (laughs) Those are the kind of tidbits that I love getting out of the commentary. You're never gonna find that anywhere else. Um. David, what did you think about um, the the scene of, you know, not the the high society scene that we're mostly drawn to in this episode, but the scene of everybody that's still uh, left back at Serenity? You've got the rest of the crew that is not at the party kind of trying to figure out if Badger is there to cause them a problem or if he's just keeping an eye on them and they're sort of hatching a plan. Do you think that that, you know, that cutting back and forth there is meant to continue that difference in societal societal themes? Um, I think there's an element of that. I think the card game does that beforehand. I think the idea that, um, uh, you know, what are you going to do? You're on, you're on Persephone. The world is your oyster. They're going to a party. We're going to play a game. Uh, we're going to play a card game. We're going to have sex. Uh, rather than go and see this world is a great sort of insight into Bosch and Zoe's marriage. And then the other three guys have nothing to do. You know, they could they could be out at that point. They you know, Badger's not preventing them leaving. They could be out seeing the world, and they, for whatever reason, choosing not to. Um, so I think that's that intercutting achieves that. Uh, I think when mm-hmm. they are trapped on the ship by Badger, I love that moment where they suddenly realise Badger's not their friend. Badger's not there to sort of he's not come. I bring bad news. Let's do something about it. He's got. I bring bad news. You're not going anywhere. And there's that realization that, that just because we know this guy, he's not our friend. Um, it seems like a really mm-hmm. good point to sort of mention that obviously because Fox chose to air this in a funky order, the audience had never met Badger before. Mm-hmm. And 
it feels yeah. watching Shindig uh, in the sort of order that we have, you sort oh, of feel wow. like you go, oh man, it's Badger. I love Badger. Badger's great. Mark Allen <laughs> Shepard's great. Sorry. And then obviously the audience in 2002 were like, who is this guy? Why should we care? He seems shifty. It's a still a great performance. <laughs> he, he's got an accent. He's probably but evil. But it doesn't. It's mm. evil. Well, when I first saw that well, episode, speaking of somebody I was like, who may have an accent. <laughs> I, I, was I know. Say, I, I was actually. It's... I've been. I've been thinking this whole time. Like you're. You're probably a bad guy. <laughs> At the end, he's gonna pull out this alliance badge, and he's gonna arrest us all. He's gonna bind us by law, and then we're gonna be. Yeah, it's rough. So. Um, if any of you don't know what we're talking about, go listen to our other episodes. We have a, a theory that you can only be evil in Firefly if you do have an accent. Yeah. yeah. But Kylie, Sorry, what were you going to say? I, oh, Kylie had something Kylie. to say about the uh, I don't about the Badger thing, him coming back. Oh yeah, no. Just when I first saw him, I was like, oh, we've met him, right? And I was like, was it in was it in Serenity? So so again, just you mentioning that, I totally. Wouldn't have known where he, what he was or who he was, but as soon as I saw him, I was like, oh, this guy. <laughs> Which, again, sucks for you guys that watched it before, because what a good character to get to, you know, to see twice. Yeah. That This is just the yeah. first time you're seeing it? Oh, you guys got robbed, bro. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like you're robbed a little bit of the development, because if you don't, if you hadn't seen him before, then this appearance is just like... Oh, he's clearly shifty. I think is that. Uh, I think you. Yeah, I think you had a further point to make on that, David. Uh, I was just going to talk about the accents thing. Actually, it's interesting that um, you know, given that you've you've had a various conversations about accents being evil and uh, accents <laughs> taking you uh, and making you other, making you different to the rest of the crew mm. or to the world that they've set up. Um, Badger's accent obviously sets him apart. Um, yes. Just as Atherton Wings sets them apart. And it's interesting that, you know, we hear three British accents. They're obviously not meant to be British right. accents. You know, Badger comes from Dighton Colony. We've mm -hmm. we sort of we're invited to assume that that's maybe where the Brits settle when they go out into the verse, when when we leave Earth that was. Um but uh I, some people really don't like River's imitation of his accent. I've heard lots and lots of Brits kind of knock it. And I think the, the problem is that uh, I think it's really, I think it's good. You know, I think it's really good. There's a couple of bits that don't sound like she's a cockney, but she's not meant to be right. a cockney. She's meant to be from Dighton right. Colony, which I couldn't yeah. tell you if she's doing that accurately or not. <laughs> and it's this really strange thing where I think some people latch on to certain elements of the show and decide that they are um, their favourites. And then they decide other bits they don't, they, 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 they can't have, you can't have both. You've got to, there's bits you've got to dislike. And, mm. and the accident, I think has come under fire in a very sort of unfair way because who knows what those people sound like. Yeah, I, to me, it was like a mix between like an Irish accent well, yeah. and uh, and an English accent. It was, you know, yeah, like it a, sounded like an accent, not um, uh, typical. Yeah, it was it was different. It was more of a space kind of yeah, like you were saying, a, a space sense. Space accent. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit different, like, but yeah, and it's it's meant to be like. If you know from our perspective, like uh, it is good enough because it convinced Badger, like for for River to come out and go, here's how I would sound if I were from the exact place I think you're from, and he was like, cool, good enough for me. That was a little too close to a hundred percent accurate, so uh, I'm good with that. So to me, that indicates that you know, regardless of how we feel about her version of fictional British, uh, she nailed the Dighton Colony accent. 
And right. what a fun scene, right? Like, oh, yes. I I wrote a whole intro for this episode that was based around me doing that. And then I remembered that David was going to be on this episode. I was like, maybe I should not do an entire thing where I'm making fun of. Oh, no, no, it's yeah, not now, now we got to hear it. Now we got to hear uh, it. I'll, put it I'll, I'll throw it in, I'll throw in a little bit of it at the end. I promise. Maybe if we get a um, Patreon, we'll, we'll have Jesse do his intro. <laughs> Do one episode where we'll do, go back and do re-record every episode, but with my fake Cockney intro. Uh, I will say so, that the commentary went totally silent during this scene. The rest of the time, really? it was three women. They were chattering the whole time, talking about everything they could remember, everything going on on the scene. But when River came up to do this scene, they all went silent. And then, you know, about three quarters of the way through, they all just went, I can't believe we've been silent. This is crazy. You know, we've been talking through. the whole time. We didn't even plan it. We just, we all got so excited and she took us, you know, she took our breath away. Well, and that's another testament to just the true quality of what you get from Summer Glau in this show. Like, that's the same reaction that all of the characters have in that moment, right? Is they're all like, oh, let's stop talking and pay attention to what she's doing. So, so how perfect is Jane's reaction? Jane's reaction is that there could have been the exact version we need. Like, what a perfect reaction, yeah, because see, everyone watching was, was so silent. That was smart of him. He's, like, missed opportunity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, in his, but it's also him accepting, like, oh, I missed that opportunity, too. Like, because all of us were just like, like because what is happening? Because everyone was in awe at the fact that this girl that's been going crazy and tearing the labels off of their Campbell's chicken noodle soup and, like, <laughs> freaking out on the ship now is so elegantly... Um, you know, talk, talking in this well, accent. Well, it shows the difference between, like, the different uh, defensive modes that all these characters have, right? When they think, okay, we got to hatch a plan and we got to overrun these guys and we got to go save the captain, right? Shepard Book gets really quiet. His face gets really somber and drawn. And he's, like, looking hard at people. He's trying to be very comforting. He's placing his hand carefully on people, like... He's trying to keep everything quiet and calm. He's very carefully flipping the pages of his book. Um, and, you know, Jane, you can see, is just back and forth, very shifty with his eyes. He's thinking about every angle that he can, as many as he can at the same time. Um, and you can see that Simon is just getting nervous. Like, S Simon wants to help and he wants to make a plan, but he's just, he's freaking out. And you see River go from, like... Oh, I'm I'm River and I'm spacey too. I'm fully locked in and I'm in defensive mode now. Do you have a problem with me? Like, I I can knock this out if you need. Like, I'm I'm a hundred percent here. I'm focused. What's going on? I've got this solved. So it was like everybody else's defensive mechanisms are like kind of unsure, and her greatest weapon in that moment is just uh, unbridled confidence. She doesn't threaten anybody. She doesn't grab a gun she's not getting in anybody's face she's just suddenly very confident and it's incredibly unsettling for the people that are there trying to keep her under their thumb and i just thought what a beautiful illustration of you know su uh not summer <laughs> river has weapons beyond weapons and this is a beautiful illustration of that i really love that scene it leaves you with so many questions she's so weird and so interesting and where did that come from? And I, I'm, 
I, I guess she's not a very favorable character at this moment, but I can see how that how she could develop into something cool. Because right now she's just a weird girl, you know. Right. <laughs> Don't you think? It's yeah. Yeah. It's the transition, I think, from from her being helpless, mm-hmm. uh, which the first three episodes she she has her moments, but she she certainly seems helpless, uh, and and Simon feels, if nothing else, he has to protect her mm-hmm. uh, to that to this this being a moment where he couldn't protect her if he tried and she's doing a far better job of that but it's also that conversation she has with badger she i don't want to use the word i don't want to say anything too sort of um <laughs> preemptive but she reads him in a way right. that as an audience we I knew don't it. yet I knew understand it. i knew she and had she, powers she oh, is, well, it's she like definitely is she has powers but is she but it but it but it's like it could just be that she's reading him like, she's, like she would over yeah. cards or you know like she mm-hmm. she reads him because she knows you know his world better than we realize she does um, we live in a world of marvel thing. fanboys and star wars theories and to see her look at that guy at badger and immediately um imitate his accent and fool him leads me to believe that well, she has she- some sort of mental power but she was also standing there while he was talking and he spoke directly to That's her. True. He said, you got a name, like he's, what's your secret? You know, he spoke directly to her. So, it, you know, with, it could be that she's just very good uh, auditory learner. Maybe she just picks things up auditorially and she can mimic. Yeah. She, she was also like talking about things that he knew, things that were familiar to him from his surroundings. Like See? had she been right. there? Freaking Professor I, X over here yeah. diving into this guy's she, brain. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say that you're incorrect. I'm just saying from a totally blind audience standpoint, it's possible that those are all stereotypes about people from Dighton Colony, and he just happens to fit all of them. <laughs> like, we, you know, we don't 20 know years that. Ago, I wouldn't look that far into this at all. I'd be like, oh, that was a, that was a good job she did on mimicking his accent. Like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be like, oh, oh man, well, let's dive deep into this and see what kind of brain power she's got. Like, right. Well, and I'm not at the point where I'm like, Josh and Kylie, you can't know anything about her. It's like there's a there's a a sci-fi character that's the disturbed girl that has you know some kind of mental thing going on. There's something going yeah. on with River and Malin and Nara are in love. We know those things, and we, and we cannot <laughs> wait to find out how it all works out. Yes. <laughs> There's so, still so many okay. episodes to go. I can't. Oh, well, here's the thing. I, I feel like you that, so much, but there's not. <laughs> you don't know what's coming. You know. We're on episode four, Josh, out of yeah. 14. Yeah, like, that means 10 more episodes, man. I mean, there's 10 episodes left, but I mean, that's not as many as, that's as I would 10 more weeks of pure joy. It's true. Two and a half okay. more months of this. <laughs> I'm cool with at it. Least, that's a, that's a at great least two and a half on. months. So I agree. There will be bonus episodes we don't know how they'll work with the again i don't know if that'll make the show run longer or if they'll be released alongside regular episodes but we're working on it you guys we love you and we want to give you as much as we can so um there's a sword fight in this episode um to me um sword fights in the future in you know non-terrestrial settings are a captain jean-luc picard thing and I have, I just, I have a bias, but I realize that it's okay to have that bias because now I want to see Inara fence Captain Picard. Like that would, 
be really i think very classy and the banter between those two would be top notch like nuclear level witticisms you know like just excellent excellent dialogue i think um what did you guys think of the actual the sword fight you know what was you know the the duel ricky i'll let you start on this one what did you think of the the actual sword fight when we finally got down to it it was a lot of fun mal actually thought he learned something from inara the night before uh (laughs) he got this false sense of confidence he was taunting atherton he was shouting with confidence and everybody looking on was just going oh no but so you know it was it was this very joss whedon-esque sword fight uh there was you know it was the moment where he won it had this moment where inara is distracting atherton so you kind of have to wonder about it but in the end atherton got a sword in his chest and a couple of bashes across the face with a hilt. So, in the end, it's hard to disagree with who won. Yeah. I agree with you. I really like that Mal didn't get good at sword fighting overnight. Like, I would have been uh, upset if they had had him learn for six minutes and then, you know, suddenly he's parrying and thrusting and being mm-hmm. all amazing. I'm I'm glad. Like the don't fall for it thing, because... You can just tell when he starts. Point. Yeah, he just starts running. You're like, "What's he gonna?" Oh, oh, that's what happens. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Come on. <laughs> I mean, listen. This was no Game of Thrones. Uh, you know, what Pedro Pascal kind of fight? I'm gonna reference Mandalorian anytime I can, dude. But definitely no, uh, no fight like that. But it was still a, a pretty good, pretty good little sword fight, I think, especially for a space western. Like they, these guys continue to bring in the most ridiculous stuff into a space western, like pool, for instance. Um, yeah, and sword fighting with swords that look like they're from 1777, like, yeah, I mean, and that break like they're from 1777, so, mind you. <laughs> I had a question about that. Um, Josh and Kylie, do you guys think that that? sequence is meant to be maybe a little bit of a jab pun definitely intended at the star wars universe you know the whole a more civilized weapon for a more civilized era sort of thing like hey look they're fighting with swords uh but that's lame so we're just gonna have mal punch this guy and then stab him (laughs) i didn't get that vibe they didn't light up no, no. Honestly, I, I looked at the sword fight. I did definitely identify it with, um, you know, being upper class or whatever. But I kind of would compare it to being well read, I suppose. And so, like, hmm. that I, I don't know. I think it was more about the caste system thing than trying to. Yeah. Than about the swords. I think it was it was more of a class thing too. It was like you know we're not gonna yeah. fight like animals in a fist fight in the middle of the ballroom. We're gonna duel like men with or like not like men but like classy men with these swords. You know we're gonna. So yeah, I, it definitely is giving a poke at the more civilized age trope. Mm-hmm. I think. Uh, David, do you think that it's meant to be like an illustration of how sometimes those societal echelons are just a facade in the way that Atherton, as soon as he gets poked, is like, okay, now I'm nasty and I don't like you and I'm going to call you names and I'm going to, you know, 
I'm going to be me. <laughs> it's, it's a sort of, it's a sort of um, retreat to something familiar. So there's, uh, I think there's a, you know, there's a space age going on out there, and these people aren't investigating other worlds. They're staying mm -hmm. true to, they're staying on Persephone. They're letting the universe come to them, and they've they've retreated to various sort of societal things that they think are important. So it's uh, things like sword fighting and and that sense of honor have sort of filtered up as a way of um, uh, sort of controlling, I suppose, different parts of, of that higher part of the hierarchy, that, that upper echelon. Um, one of the best things about that scene, I think, is the fact that when it starts, you feel a bit like you've seen it before. We've seen we've seen a duel in a, in a movie before, you know, whether it's Merchant Ivory, whether it's Klingons, doesn't matter. The, the idea of honour in a duel, we feel like we've been there before. And uh, one of the things that I really love about this show is the fact that it says, you think you've seen this, and then it twists it. And so the idea that, you know, you, you best that other person and then you walk away, we've seen that before because the people, we don't want, you know, shows don't necessarily want uh, untamed bloodshed. But the idea that you right. would stab him a couple of times for good measure before you walk away, that's never been done anywhere else as far as I'm concerned. And, and, and what a great insight into, into both Mal and Inara uh, the, the, and, and the world of Persephone. You know, it's just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. That's actually, I do want to say that that scene holds the line of the show for me. <laughs> um, Excellent. We are we're almost there. But um, I, I did like the the fact that it went very Mortal Kombat and again Star Wars there. It was like finish him. Do it. Do it. <laughs> just like egging and, him and on Mel to had, kill him. And Mel had no interest. He was just like, No, I don't I didn't even yeah, I didn't even want to come here in the first place. Am I gonna follow the rules? I think what I love the most about him being like I I'm not gonna kill you, but I am I am going to give you some really painful stab wounds, like in some key places that are just gonna really really smart for a long time. Is like, it's it's so identifiable, right? Like because you you feel like that's that character of Atherton gets what he deserves, but it's but you never at any point you're like, all right, well, they need to kill this guy, right? Like you never feel like, let's kill this guy. It's like, this guy sucks. He needs to be brought down several pegs. He needs to learn respect. He needs to be reformed in a couple of ways. But you never like, let's kill this guy. You know, it's not like the scene in Mandalorian where Bill Burr is sitting across from that moff who's like, yeah, I love killing civilians. It's really fun. And then he shoots him. It's like, yeah, let's kill that guy. You know, you don't have that with Atherton. I don't. He think. did get humiliated, though. They did mention that it was right. a as a form of humiliation with him getting defeated and not getting killed. It was more like, yeah. oh, you're not worth the death. You know, like you're not yeah. you're not worth my time. I don't want to add you to my notches. Like, get out of here. <laughs> well, so how he, degrading would that be to be like, I don't want to add your body to my collection. It's just not worth it. <laughs> So I have a question. Um, in the in the, the sort of rules of the duel, Sir Warwick is Mal's second. So if if in a parallel universe, Mal ran, how do we think that duel would have would have played out with Sir Warwick playing uh, fighting against Atherton? With Dark Man, <laughs> I think that he. Wait, what? Are you talking about the the bigger guy with the eyes? Yeah, yeah. The... Yeah, he played yeah. Dark Man oh. back in the eighties. Dark Man one and oh. two. Oh, <laughs> very cool. Good pull. Yeah, yeah that, that was, was Liam. 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 
Um, he was uh, he was he was uh, like side by side in that movie with him. Okay, that's cool. Wow, you guys are nerds. Um, I feel like he. I feel like that character would just like he would either he's so good at planning it seems right like everything falls how he wants it to fall without him really doing anything throughout this throughout this episode and it's not necessarily I don't think that he's pulling strings or anything it's just that he knows when to be patient and when to push and you know when to give a little bit of advice or when to give a tiny little bit of hey uh, by the way I don't uh, I don't like that guy it's like, oh, okay, now this person has an additional reason because he's trying to get my business. You know, I'm trying to get his business. Now I got another reason to do this. Um, I feel like he would have, he would just stand in one spot and be very good at like, you know, redirecting blows. Like he would just stay in one spot and he would have a very defensive swordsmanship style and he would just constantly be glancing blows off. Maybe he would just, you know, be flipping the sword out of Atherton's hand repeatedly. My guess is that he would humiliate him repeatedly and then kill him. Like he he would use the rules of the society to go, okay, you're humiliated. And now to relieve you of that, I'm going to kill you. I think that's how that character would handle a duel with Atherton. <laughs> what do you guys think? Okay. So you know how Mal takes the broken off blade and spears it into Atherton's chest? I think cool. that sorry, what's his name? Uh, uh, Sir Warwick. Warwick. Sir Lorick. Sir Warwick. I think Sir Warwick would snap his own blade off and throw it at him immediately. He'd start it off with the death blow because he knows. <laughs> yeah, no messing around. <laughs> what if he misses though? What if he misses he, when he throws it? He wouldn't. Okay. I'm writing the scene, and he'd also he'd still have. He'd still have a hilt to throw. Also, he would. He'd. He'd have two throwing weapons. Is basically is canonical reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I. I kind of wish that it. I kind of wish that it had been Murphy, who is the character that steps in to save Kaylee. I kind of wish that he had been the character to also offer to be Mal's second. Right, like, hey, I just go to parties, drink whiskey, and then step in for people when it's most needed. That's just kind of the kind of guy that I am. Like, I think that would have been His fun. chivalry ends there. He just wears the sword. He doesn't actually win. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think where the chivalry of specific characters ends could be argued to be the theme of the entire show. <laughs> um, so... Last thing I wrote down was classic accidental sale, right? Like Mal is like just wrapped up in all this stuff and he's like, all right, screw it. I'll just do it. And hopefully it turns out all right. And he makes the sale in the end, thankfully through, you know, just managing to survive. And now um, Serenity so is do... the new Greeley. Well, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, how... let's. Sorry. No, I was going to say, let's do everybody's. I'm going to say open the floor here. Because that, yeah, that was my last note. So whatever you guys have, I'm going to start specifically with you, Kylie. Then we'll go to Josh. Then we'll go to Ricky. And we'll end with David. Okay. Um, I don't remember what I was just about to say. But um, I do want to say, though, are you going to do the favorite quotes? Yes. Oh, yes, okay. ma'am. We'll do okay. those soon. Um, well, then, other than that, I don't have a lot of final thoughts, except for I do agree that the dress was super cute. But it did look like she was wearing a cake. 
Yeah. Very pretty. They called it that in the commentary. They called it the layer cake dress. <laughs> well, yeah, somebody called it a cake in the in the, um, it. and it was very it. cute, very cute. Um, but it was cake. So I'm going to issue really quickly. I'm going to issue a pre-correction for next week. Um, I, I had mentioned that the dress that Kaylee wears was the costume designer's wedding dress. That is not the case. It was the dress that Inara wears that was the costume designer's wedding dress. Did I? Yeah, I think yeah. you said Inara. Okay. Yeah. Well, well I, I was the... called paranoia about I would have asked if it was Kaylee's okay. dress because that would okay, be a really you. interesting wedding dress. I, well, I suddenly was cool worried wedding. that I had... It would have matched <laughs> the wedding cake. And I will, I will give I... you my correction, uh, Robert. Uh, the the Larry, Larry, whatever his name is, that plays the big guy. Yes, Larry Drake. Thank you. He plays Robert G. Durant in Darkman, which is the criminal mob boss. It's not Darkman, but he is a, a main character Excellent. in that, that movie. So there's I... that correction. <laughs> I was worried that I had suddenly like painted this picture of this costume designer as somebody who would get married in that dress and i didn't want to accidentally do that because i don't know her and i and I, I want her to you know not hate us because i'm sure this is one of her top three favorite podcasts so um josh josh go ahead if you had any final notes um so we're about to start getting into the lines of the show and i do want to give yep. before we get into it i want to give you one of my favorite scenes was with uh, Alan Tudyk when he's they're like, well, what were you doing? And he was like, I was going to watch. It was very exciting because because, you know, Cap comes back in and, and he's like, what are you guys doing? Just being all lazy, sitting around. And Jane was like, well, we were just about to take over the ship. And and Alan was like, yeah, I, I was going to watch. It was really exciting. And I just I don't know. I laughed really hard at that because that's probably what I would do. You know, that's exactly yeah. what I would say. I'd be like, well, these tough guys are going to take care of it. And I'm just going to see what happens. And hopefully I don't get killed. <laughs> yeah. I did notice that Josh kind of rhymes with wash. So keep that in mind because it's going to come up again. Um, Ricky, did you have any final thoughts you wanted to get through before we do our weekly segments? Uh, only final thoughts is how adorable Kaylee looked in that dress <laughs> with her pink rosy cheeks walking mm. around holding a strawberry like it was a bouquet of flowers yeah she was having just... the best time she was she was living her best life that <laughs> she is for was sure having a good time she's so cute <laughs> that's uh last thing i really wanted to mention before we move on to next segment at least excellent well, let's David, see it looks like callie callie d says Sorry, Kelly D says, but isn't it perfect for Kaylee that she would wear a cake? That is very her. Agreed. That yes. is Agreed. Her. Thank you, know, you Kelly. Yes. It might not be like my style in particular, but I got to say, I'd feel pretty in that. Dress. It was a pretty cool dress. <laughs> I would feel pretty. Yeah. I'd I take think, her to prom. I think I would feel pretty yeah. in that dress. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just, it's designed to bring up your confidence and, and bounciness, you know? Um, so, David, before we get to our weekly segments, did you have any final thoughts on this episode? Um, yeah, when, when we um, talked about which episode uh, we, I might come on for and we might talk about, uh, uh, <laughs> Jesse said, do you have any favorites? And I said, kind of all of them, really. You know, I, yeah. I really struggle to pick one out, you know, uh, which is your favorite child, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and so um, 
Uh, I'm really glad, actually, that it was this one. Uh, I wrote an article, uh, not for Spatial Anomaly, but for something else, actually, on uh, Blue Monday. You know, you know, the idea that it was the most depressing day of the year. And so mm. I wrote a sort of antidote to Blue Monday, to Blue Monday and had uh, sort of suggestions for things you could watch to try and cheer you up. And this was the first thing I thought of, um, <laughs> because uh, one of the strange things about this episode is uh, there's kind of no downside. There is peril. Uh, you know, Mal's in Mal's at risk, but it's it's always fun all the way through. It's not it's not heartbreaking weed and stuff. We're not weeping in a corner. We're not um, we're not really really worried about Mal. It's it's uplifting with swords. I mean, what more could you want? <laughs> okay, well, um, I'm not going to speak for all of you guys, but I'm pretty sure we just found the title of this episode. Um, <laughs> Agree, so, <laughs> Josh. If uh, if you're ready over there in the co-pilot seat, um, I think we're gonna go ahead and get into our first sudden but inevitable weekly segment. This segment is called Simon Says. <laughs> Normally, I would reverse uh, this this order, but because David is here, we are going to have him go first. Really quickly, though, before we get into it, Simon Says is our weekly segment where, despite the title of the segment, we share our favorite quotes from the episode, even if they were not uttered by Dr. Simon Tam. Uh, this isn't a you-have-to-pick-one, there's no hard and fast rule. Uh, we do like to go one at a time, that way everybody gets a chance to say the best quotes, because usually... Everybody has shared quotes. Um, so, David, as our guest, I'd like to have you go first. What is one of your top three to ten favorite quotes from this episode? <laughs> so glad I, I've got an option for more than one because I've, I've got two that I want to um, share with you, really. The first, I think, is, is I think we probably all felt like this at some point, but when, when they're looking for, for Sir Warwick at the party and... Uh, um, they're looking for he's the guy with the guy with the sash and then um kaylee says is that him and mal says is that's the buffy table <laughs> and then kaylee says well how can we be sure unless we question it <laughs> and i'm like i i, I want to go to a party with you that's, that's <laughs> yeah but, you know the idea that we know why we're here i don't care there are sausage rolls and sword robberies over there I want him. <laughs> you know yeah uh, that's my that's that was one of the ones i thought of before i even rewatched the episode uh, i feel that in my soul <laughs> but my i think there's a line that really i'd forgotten about and i'm going to go back and put it into my um uh article about on spatial anomaly actually because mal says something that i think is so insightful and he says it while they're dancing um at the party uh and he says to inara my work's illegal but at least it's honest and you're like that's the whole show that is that that defines for yep. me the whole show and it's a throwaway mm -hmm. line uh, while he's trying to sort of be judgmentally non-judgmental to, yeah. to the woman he loves but won't admit it, the woman he's a hypocrite mm -hmm. about her uh, standing in society. <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's just, it just sums up the whole show for me. And when I heard it this time, I'd, I'd completely forgotten about it before. And I can't believe that it hasn't taken on a greater significance. You know, there are lines like... Um, I don't want to spoil anything again, but there are lines like that you hear again and again and again. Yeah, yeah, um, the lines that have taken on a life of their own, and I'm sort of amazed that that's not one of them because it just sums the show up so beautifully. I think. 
Yeah. That's a good point about how that doesn't seem to be one of the go-to in in the brown coat lexicon. But yeah, I I that's a that's an excellent excellent point. Um next up because of how the segment went last week it looks like it is Kylie's turn. Kylie, what is your choice for Simon says this week? Well, there were a lot of quotes that were pretty poignant and silly, um, but I am definitely, I really like the one-off um, comments, and I just had to laugh when he was, you know, um, Mouse sitting next to Inara, and they're talking about the, the duel or whatever, and he's like, hey, I, I got stabbed right here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you know I got, I got stabbed? I got stabbed right here. <laughs> I just thought it was cute. For you is basically what he's implying. I did this for you. This right. is for your own. Yeah. I got stabbed yeah. right here. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, Josh, what about you? What was your pick for Simon Says this week? Uh, like I said, it, it, it's in the sword fight. And I liked how Mal was starting to be poetic, but then changed, like <laughs> took a 180, where he was like, mercy is the sign of a great man. Poke. Guess I'm just a good man. Poke. Well, I'm all right. Yeah. I really liked that line a lot because yeah. the other guy's just like, huh, oh, really? Oh, just kill me. <laughs> and paired with David's choice for that of, you know, what I do may be illegal, but at least it's honest. That line of baby, I'm all right, is is a perfect encapsulation of what I was saying before, is that Mal is 100 percent like knows who he is. He is in control of the self. He's a self-aware underdog character like he knows what he's doing and he knows the role that he plays in these, you know, in between all these societal tiers and he can move freely between several of them. It looks like, which is a very, very valuable skill to have, especially as a criminal. I got to say, um, Ricky, what is your choice for Simon says this week? Uh, my favorite line came from when Mal and Inara were talking the night before the duel and Mal says, what you think, <clears throat> sorry, let me get a closer look at this. <laughs> you think adhering to the rules will give you freedom. Adhering to rules will make you a slave. And mm. I thought that was just really interesting because I've been kind of talking about how the Alliance is all about order, but it's that order kind of brings slavery and it takes away your choices. Uh, I've got, Almost all of my episode notes somewhere have the words, chaos is freedom, order is slavery. It's kind of like a mm -hmm. 1984 quote that I've made up myself. I've kind of twisted their words <laughs> uh, to make that, but I thought that quote kind of encapsulated that very well. I like, I like that point. Um, the way that I've been reading it is not that they're necessarily, uh, not that you're incorrect, but that the stance that the show is taking and maybe the stance that Mal is taking and maybe the stance that we are meant to take as the audience isn't, isn't that, you know, the way that Mal wants to do things is 100% right or the way that the Alliance wants to do things is 100% right. The answer is you have to be able to move between these different worlds in your everyday life. You have to be able to function in the system of the alliance, right? Of, you know, the government mm -hmm. or whatever it is. And, but you also need to be able to function interpersonally with the people that you work with, like on an actual true real level, because those are the people that are around you every day. And if you can't communicate and interact with them, you're going to have a tough time at work, you know, and now you don't have the stability to even, you know, 
to to go forward from there um i didn't write one down because i knew that you guys would cover them and you did so <laughs> i i don't actually have a specific choice uh this week for um simon says but uh, it, shindig the thing about shindig ricky is that it is so shiny how shiny is it Shindig is so shiny that I am going to give it an 8.5. I, again, like I said at the start of this show, I'm, I probably will avoid giving episodes 10 because I don't want to create the illusion for Josh and Kylie that this episode is the, the peak and every episode from here is downhill. Um, and I don't feel that way about this episode, but I, I love this episode so much and it is so fun that it, I don't know if I can communicate to people who have never seen the show before that this really is not the, the paragon of this show. Like this is super, super fun, great, awesome episode. And it's still not as good as it gets. I give this episode an 8.5. David, as our guest, let's go ahead and have you go next. How shiny would you say this episode is on a scale of 1 to 10? Well, because I may never be here again, and I may never have the opportunity again, I'm going to say <laughs> 9.5 because, you know, I, I, I think, you know, it's, it's fantastic. It would have been, for, me, for my money, I'm sure it was the best show on TV that week. You know, I'm sure oh, yeah. um, there wasn't much else that would have rivaled it. Um, no, I think it's fantastic. And I think, as I say, you know, it's it's quite easy to write something that's uh, impressive and dour. To write something that's impressive and fun, that's not always as easy. There's there's a far fewer kind of episodes of that in, in um, that, that we respect. So I think, yeah, I'm going to go 9.5. I love it. I love it. Uh, Ricky, that means that you are up next this week for How Shiny Is It? I'm going to go with eight stars. I guess I'm going in just a little bit below you. Uh, it's a great episode. Everything it does, it does very, very well. I might have wanted maybe a few, a little bit more comedy, a few more quips here and there. I would have liked maybe a little bit more action. I thought it was... they laid out a lot of storyline and mm -hmm. I wouldn't have minded just a little bit more fun to go on but uh, it's my favorite episode and I've got to give it an eight stars so <laughs> doing pretty makes, good that makes good sense oh uh, I missed Josh, it Josh you're, you're next next in this one Josh dang it uh, yeah I you know uh, I just I can't I can't like I don't know because I know that there's better episodes to come. So I think that most of my ratings are going to change by the end of the season. Well, that's um, reaction. Yeah. yeah, I, I do want to say, though, that my segue skills for this segment are at about 8.5. I was very proud of that. Um, but this episode, I'm going to give it a... I think I'm going to give it an 8. I, no, I'm going to give it a 7.5 because I still think that the best is yet to come. I liked this episode yeah. a lot. I liked that there was, you know, some 
some cool there wasn't as much character building in this one it was more you know put the characters in a situation see how they react sort of episode and right again i i still just it's gonna be a 7.5 for me because i really think that there's gonna be better episodes to come and watching right. it in order like we are i think that that helps us as well like it's you know, for us, it's a little different rating these episodes because we're going in chronological order, whereas you guys before were doing it all mixed up. So, again, sorry about that because I really enjoy this storyline chronologically. Um, but 20 years ago, I would have been confused as all hell and really not liked yeah. it. So, yeah, I feel I'm, I'm glad that you guys all stuck with it and that you kept this show around for as as long as it has, and that you've kept the cult following going, so that Kylie and I can have the opportunity to do this kind of thing with a show like this and actually experience it the right way. So, yeah, that leaves you, Miss Kylie, not Kaylee, not Callie, but Kylie. What is your rating this week? Um, I am gonna go ahead and give it a good solid nine. Um. And I'm going to say for the reason, you know, I know that having turmoil and chaos, all of those things are necessary for a good story. Um, but sometimes it's just nice to have a, a feel good episode. <laughs> you know, there's not a whole lot of like You're drama here. or like, you know, stuff going on. Um, so it's nice to have that little break because I feel like was the last one that we watched. That one was a little dense. So it was nice to have just kind of a fun yeah, little episode. I'm sure the next one will have something crazy happen and my heart will jump but today was just just all good good old-fashioned fun excellent Alex <laughs> with, with swords with swords too yeah yes <laughs> i agree yeah. well that is the end of the how shiny is it segment um we have normally we go to our last segment here uh this week there's a bit of an extra step to the last segment uh, but we are rounding it out. We're getting there, you guys. Thank you so much to everybody watching on Facebook right now. Uh, you guys, the love that you're showing us and the participation that we're getting from you means the world to us. And if you've been on the social medias for this show, you know that already because I've been saying it to you all week. But I am not going to stop saying that because I don't want you to ever think that I take you guys' ears or eyes or comments or help for granted because we don't we know that it would be very easy for you to just skip all that so thank you we appreciate it um so that leads me to a bit of ship's business um we have the sudden but inevitable shout out every week and we are going to continue doing that um but this is sort of like a subsection well not a subsection what's the op what's a section that goes above this is a this is a, a higher tier of the sudden but inevitable shout out and I am pleased to announce, yes, I am pleased to announce the creation of the Shepherds of Shine. The Shepherds of Shine is a title that will be given to our most dedicated and helpful supporters on social media. These are brown coats who boost our signal, rebels who retweet, crew who cares, and stowaways who stole our hearts. With that, I would like to announce the first ever class of the Shepherds of Shine. Of course, at the very top of this, we have Rosalita9899 from Twitter and Instagram. She will henceforth be known as Shepherd Rosie. She was among the very first to reach out to us and offer to share her love of the verse with us. And she has been our social media rock ever since. 
Next up, we've got Shepard Saxon, who came to us through her real-life friend, Shepard Rosie. Uh, Saxon has been dropping the knowledge bombs. She let me know about the costume designer, costume designer, Miss Terpsick. And it, she's just been so helpful, and she's expressed a, a repeatedly how Josh and Kylie watching back through their first time, you know, have never seen it before, really speaks to her and reminds her of when she got to show this show to her friends for the first time. Um, so thank you, Shepard Saxon. You are on board with us. Um, after that, we've got Cap DK on Instagram. Uh, Shepard Cap has been a dutiful follower and never fails to like my posts on Instagram. More importantly, I hear that he is a great dad with some very cool kids and that he loves to get them pizza on Friday nights and watch Firefly from one dad to another. Thanks for raising him right, Cap. I appreciate that. And finally, the last member of this list is not actually a shepherd of shine, but a Kaylee of cool. It is different in title only and has been awarded for the unwavering support that we have been receiving on Instagram and Twitter from Callie Dally Art. That's Callie D in the chat right now. Not only is Callie our Kaylee and not Kylie, and not only does Callie our Kaylee like and comment on all of our Instagram posts, but she's making straight up full on like countdown timer posts in her personal story with a link to our show in it. Like I'm sure the listeners who are part of the Brown Coat community are not surprised by that at all because you that's what you guys are known for, but still that doesn't change how much that means to all of us at this show. And especially me because it's me that's directly receiving a lot of the love and the genuine connection that's being heaped on our little podcast. So for all those reasons, Welcome to the Shepherds of Shine. You guys are going to get permanently added to the show notes going forward. Um, so now for your regularly scheduled sudden but inevitable shout out, you're going to recognize some of these names. So we have at K Liz on Twitter. K Liz was brought aboard by the aforementioned Callie and uh, that's her sister in real life. So that means that sudden but inevitable is now officially fun for the whole family. I've always wanted to say that, and now I can. So thank you. Thank you, guys. At Saxon1014 on Instagram and Twitter, that's aforementioned Shepherd Saxon. She is, she is just, she is showing us all kinds of love and sending us a lot of really cool tidbits that I would have missed otherwise. Um, at Stay Doomed and at Plus Two Comedy on Twitter. Um, these are actually two halves of a comedy podcast called Stay Doomed, where they watch shows that lasted only one season. And then at the end, they decide if canceling it was the right idea or not. I'm not going to spoil their Firefly episode for you, but uh, they, I actually sent them a message after they followed on Twitter and said, hey, thanks, you guys. That means a lot to me. And then when they dropped their Firefly episode a couple days later, they unsolicited asked people to come check us out if they were looking for a deeper dive into Firefly. And I, I mean, I've told you guys before, like sometimes when I get stuff from social media, I have like a very emotional moment. That was a very emotional moment for me. So definitely go check out Stay Doomed at Stay Doomed and at Plus Two Comedy on Twitter. And also check out Stay Doomed wherever you get your podcasts, because trust me, it's a good time. Um, do not listen to that episode unless you have finished the entire series. <laughs> um, up next, we have at WoolleryMA on Twitter. He's been clicking like and retweet on a lot of our stuff and just really helping us get our footprint bigger and i appreciate that we have at that geek chick on instagram lots of likes lots of comments just just really 
you guys thank you so much and last but not least we have at sean faust or at sean faust i'm sorry sean on twitter uh sean is a musician who has actually written some songs about firefly and has actually opened up a couple of brown coat balls with them which is so appropriate because the brown coat ball event was inspired by the episode shindig so sean and i have yes it's yeah well in the normal non-covid world where you can just go to things with people in public it's a thing um we should if go. it becomes possible days, this year, Jesse. there will be. I'll get you a cake yes. dress. Oh no! Yeah, sir. we had so much fun at Comic Con. We would have so much fun at this. Yeah. So. I agree. Hundred um, percent. Sean has actually been uh, boosting our signal on Twitter. He's retweeting. He's liking, and because he's a musician, he and I are actually in collaboration right now. We're working on some kind of bonus episode for Sudden But Inevitable that discusses the music of the series as a whole. Um, I think that's something that I'm really looking Ooh, forward to. And I, I really want in on that so hard because yeah. the music of this show has been really, really cool. And I have a lot to say about it. We will we will definitely be, be bringing you in for that, Josh. So um, just one last note before we move on from there, um, before I close out the shout out. There are now people sending me their favorite quotes of ours from previous podcasts and that fills my heart to a capacity that i would not have thought possible until last week like can i, can I hear difficult. one yeah we gotta hear one yeah tell us one well most of them actually end up as our instagram ads right so um um callie had brought up you know when you're talking about Simon and River's reaction to space, you know, it really stuck with me and it, you know, really made me feel this way about, you know, their sibling relationship. And I was like, I, 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 what I said connected with somebody and they told me, thank you for that. And it's, I mean, David, you, as a professional writer, you probably have experienced that at least once in your life. And it's like to hear that somebody got the point you were trying to make exactly is just, Oh man, that's a different, that hits different, you know, than like, Hey, good podcast that it, it just, it feels different. And it, I, so I've just, I'm just want to say thank you to everybody on Twitter and Instagram and social media and whoever listens and watches everybody who does anything around this show. Thank you so much. And that includes obviously this week's wonderful guest, David Black. I think the rest of us, I mean, if we ever needed an example that in the Firefly verse, accent does not necessarily equal evil. Right. I yes, was worried at first. Yes. I was worried. In, me too. <laughs> I was thinking he was going to come take over this show and you know arrest us and take us to the Alliance prisons or whatever they do there. It could all be a big act like Jane. You know? It probably is. It, it probably be, is. Uh, I'm not he's not really stupid. He's just pretending. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And it turns out, like, if you're not actually, you're not actually have an accent, right? You're from Kentucky, and you've been fooling us the entire time. <laughs> ah, man, that would be rough. I southern accent. Yeah, I, I want to, I do want to encourage everybody, you know, one more time before we are, before we do take off, go check out Patreon.com/slash/SpatialAnomaly because that, I, I, like I said, we subscribed, and the content that you're getting there is, it, it, it's it's the same thing we try to do here where it's like very um, 
detailed, except David actually has his things detailed in a way that makes linear sense. You know, ours is you have to be in a conversational mood and you have to hang out with us and you have to, you know, maybe listen to some of our older episodes, which I'm okay with. You should check out Sudden But Inevitable on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you get podcasts. But if you want to read about the Firefly verse, then you should go to patreon.com slash spatial anomaly. You can support David Black's effort there for as little as $1.50 a month. Trust me, the tiers above that are definitely worth the money that they are priced at you're going to get more than you're than you're going to be feeling like you're paying for i'm already out of you know i already don't have enough time to read all of the stuff there and i'll be honest part of it is that i don't want to like accidentally absorb a bunch of david's well-crafted thoughts and then subconsciously spew them back out and pretend that they were mine so i'm not going to read ahead i'm going to stick with you know as far as we go that's where i'll be reading david's articles along with after we record an episode i just David, I want to thank you so much for being the first guest on Sudden But Inevitable and for honor, you know, bringing this sense of, I'm just going to say it because you guys sound better than we do. Thank you for bringing a sense of sophistication to our little shindig. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, don't believe a word of it. No, uh, no. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun. This is, yeah, this is easily the best part of my week every week. Um, it, to get to close out my Friday with people that I've known. I mean, Josh, I've known Josh 25 years. I mean, I've known you basically my whole life, man. And Ricky, I've known since high school. And, you know, I feel like, David, you have just the most genuine and understandable perspective. You know, I, I feel like I know you, man, even though I met you an hour oh, and a half ago. I've been having just an excellent time. But what an hour and a half it's been. Yeah, and I I want to echo everything Jesse said too and just formally extend the invite to come back anytime we have a spot open. That would be wonderful. It has been so much fun having you on this show. So thank you again for coming. So before I get to my... There's one thing we haven't talked about actually that I've... Oh, go ahead. Before we go. um, Did any of you spot... Joss Whedon in the back of a shot during this episode. I I'm not going to answer that because I was uh, I had been alerted to it before it happened. <laughs> oh, okay. So yeah, he's at the party uh, and he's obviously yeah. not meant to be there, and he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt. Uh, I guess maybe from the same des- uh, designer as as Wash's oh, shirt. Okay. Um, but um, but yeah, he's at the back of that party, that big schmancy party with that the Shauna Terpstix worked so hard on. Uh, and then there's just the back, uh, in the back of shot. And I completely forgot. And I've just realized on my notes that it was there. And I thought we, we've got to talk about that. I didn't. I, I, so cool. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I was really focused on trying to find whatever Star Wars ship was in the back of this episode. Because Some yesterday, when we recorded our special Quest Me episode for Star Wars <laughs> Podcast Day, Jesse decided to tell me to watch out because there is a Star Wars ship in the background of this episode of Firefly. And now I am almost positive he was lying to me. But I promise you, oh, it's not. I will, send you, I will send you the screenshot. Josh. No, I don't want Sorry. you to. I want to go find it. <laughs> oh, okay. Then yeah. You got I want to find it. To do. That's fine. Um, <laughs> before we go, I do want to mention really quickly... Um, the Sudden But Inevitable Rewatch is obviously a Twist My Arm Network podcast. Um, 
we have a lot of stuff going on in the twist my arm network right now um most of it doesn't involve me so i don't remember the names of any of that stuff josh do you have a list <laughs> i do actually um man so we got the normal twist my arm podcast where we interview local businesses and talk about you know what they're what they're doing around town and actually around the country we've had some people from other states come in and talk about their businesses but then we got the movement podcast which just released their uh january episode we talk about movies video games music and tv we got the marvel cinematic monday podcast where we talk about not just marvel cinematic stuff but we also dive into comics and other things about the marvel world we have the basement sessions starting up here in a week or two um where we feature music from around colorado and eventually i'm hoping to be a little bit more national with that have more bands on from around huh, but then we got this show sudden but inevitable and we have the tma gaming network where you can find us on twitch at tma games or on facebook and twitter at tma gaming and then we have one other show it's a little show called best flicks but i think ricky would probably uh, be best at talking about that show yep we got best flicks with ricky d we've got one episode out now We've got a second one in the can. I just watched An American Pickle on HBO now. It's with Seth Rogen. Uh, he gets uh, starts out as a old world uh, Jew. Pardon me. Uh, it's kind of a weird way to start this. But he falls into <laughs> a vat of pickles. He gets sealed off. And he comes back in modern America. And he has to deal with, uh, de- uh, you know, confronting his old lifestyle and everything he used to know and putting it in modern America. And that's coupled with him meeting his uh, great grandson who is also Seth Rogen. So it's Seth Rogen acting against Seth Rogen. And he's pretty much the only actor in the entire movie. And it makes for some interesting dynamics. I want to check that out. I am so interested. Reviews. Yeah. I'll I'll give it a good review right now. It was definitely worth watching. It's a lot of fun. Um, and I will, I will say, everyone, if you just go to twistmyarmpodcast.com, the very first thing you see on there is our list of shows. I update that weekly. So if you just go to twistmyarmpodcast.com, you will be directed to any one of these shows that we have been mentioning, and uh, you'll be able to listen to it right from the website. Well, I think that means that the only thing left to do is to close this show out. So... If you'd like, you can buy us a slinky dress on Twitter at SuddenButt. Any man here can lend you the use of an Instagram account at SuddenButInevitablePodcast. Stick your cattle in our cargo hold on Facebook to join us live each week as we discuss the show. Our theme song, The Ballad of Inevitability, is performed by Mark Cohen and a choir of rebellious angels, and that makes him mighty. Once again, I'd like to thank our guest, David Black of Spatial Anomaly, for joining us this week, as well as encourage you to head on over and check out patreon.com slash spatialanomaly. Until next week, my name is Jesse. I'm David Black, uh, and I write for Spatial Anomaly, and I've been uh, made very welcome here. Thank you very much. I've really enjoyed it. This is Ricky. I'm Kylie. And I am the head of the Twist Marm Network. My name is Josh. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Josh, take us out of the world. <laughs>